The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. If somebody's to ask you, when you think of God, what's the first image that comes to mind? When you think of God, what's the picture that emerges in your head? I have a group of students that I meet with to, that, that help me prepare these talks. And when I ask them this question uh, about the first images that they have uh, when they think of God, uh, here were some of the things they said. Uh, one is, is really the Greek god Zeus, this kind of impressive, this, this big a uh, mighty figure that's got lightning bolts uh, in, in his hands. I, I know that that's an image for uh, that, that a lot of people have uh, of God, uh, even people that would say, well, I don't believe in Zeus. In fact, I had one student that, that he was telling me a story. This was several years ago. And he said, you know, I, was growing, I, I grew up in the type of home that, you know, if, if you even thought about sinning, and this is what he said, he goes, you just knew you were going to get the bolt. The bolt being like that thing you had, that there's this image of God that he's just sitting there kind of ready to give me the bolt, okay? Another image that the in-speaking team talked about was they, was, was they talked about, honestly, I kind, of, I kind of think about, you know, Simba looking up at Mufasa in the, in the air. There's this kind of omniscient, omnipresent, uh, gentle and comforting presence that, that we saw in The Lion King. Great movie. You should see it if you haven't, but you all have. I know that. And then uh, one that was present that, that kind of had head nods around the room, um, that isn't probably dissimilar, uh, to Zeus and his bolt, but is this type of judge this type of sinister-looking judge that is, is just ready to hear the case. And usually the case that we assume this judge is ready to hear is the case against us. This is the view that we sometimes have about God. What's your view? I know that a view of God that I've had... Uh, throughout my life is one that I, I might call the, the prairie dog view of God or the peekaboo view of God. It's kind of like I'm going about my own life. I'm, I'm kind of doing my thing. And anytime I sin or, or, or I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing, it's then like God kind of looks around like, yeah, I see you. <laughs> Got my eyes on you, Gaylord Fokker, you know, whatever. Um, the prairie dog view the peekaboo view of God. What's your view? Well, what I want to do here over our last three weeks of winter quarter is to take a look at, at, of course, God, but to do so uh, with this idea that we call the Trinity. Now, for some of you that maybe have grown up close to the church, that's a term that's pretty familiar. But even for those of us that have been around the faith for a long time, this whole idea of the Trinity can be very complex. Um, this whole idea that God is three in one, 
I've heard it described as three persons in one substance. Uh, what is this all about anyway? Well, here is, here's my hope as we journey together over the next three weeks. My hope is, is that by looking at this whole idea of God as Father, God as Son, God as Holy Spirit, we might begin to get a bigger, more complete, more full, dare I say more accurate picture of who God is and why that matters in our lives. And, and so I would hope that, that over the next three weeks that you would come back and join us and that this might be something that would challenge or expand, perhaps develop or maybe even affirm the view of God that we have as active and present in our lives as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, as we explore each of these persons of the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, I want to use some ancient words as our guide. And they're, they're the words of the Apostles' Creed. Just as a matter of, of uh, just, I, I guess, a brief survey, who, who has heard of the Apostles' Creed? Okay? All right. Probably about half the room. Okay? The Apostles' Creed. Let me tell you a little bit about what this thing is. The Apostles' Creed is this is this, it has a tradition around it. And it's really the, the statement of faith that Christians have made really since the beginning. Uh, it was kind of a rite of passage for people that wanted to be baptized, that wanted to follow Jesus and become part of a community. Now, it starts out that the tradition goes something like this, that Jesus had his, his inner circle, his 12 friends, right? And as they experience Jesus post-resurrection, Jesus is then ascended into heaven and they're hanging out, uh, getting ready to, to go and take the gospel uh, out, take the gospel to the nations. And the tradition, and we can put the creed up here right now, is that, is that there were basically 12 lines that Peter started by saying, I believe in God. And then James said, I believe the Father. And then, the, the, and then John said, creator of heaven and earth. And, and so on and so forth until they, they all make a statement. They make 12 statements, and there is what all Christians now should believe. Okay, now it's a fun story to tell. This creed that would go back to the 12 apostles, the, the people who spent their time with Jesus. Now, that's a fun story, but it's not true. Uh, but this creed, these words do go back, I'm persuaded that they go back likely to the to second or third century Rome. So what we are going to affirm is that we're going to look at what have those who have gone before us what has been kind of the basic beliefs that they've held about who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is? And just as important, out of those beliefs, why would they give their lives to this? Um, and how does that inform how we might give our lives to it? So tonight I want to hone in on this first, this first phrase, this first uh, article of the Apostles' Creed. And it starts off simply by saying 
I believe often if, if somebody, even going back to those early centuries, the beginning of the faith, they would receive a, a question as they were about to be baptized. And that question would, would be something along the lines of, of, Christian, what do you believe? And then they would start reciting this. And they, of course, start by saying, I believe. I believe. Now, we all know this, right? That it is one thing to say, I believe that God exists. I believe in God. It's a totally different thing to say, I trust God. I have faith in God. So the first thing that I, I want to alert us to is that I believe that in the context of which this phrase originated, it, it, it does mean, by belief, I also trust. I have faith in um, and what, what is about to be described. That when we believe in something, as, as, a, as somebody who is seeking to know who God is, as somebody who's seeking to know who Jesus is, it's not enough to just say, oh, I believe that they exist. It's about going the next step. Let me see if I can give you an example of what I'm talking about. Earlier tonight, my oldest son uh, was here. He's going to go with us on the trip to the Dominican here in a few weeks, and he came to participate in our training meeting. And my, my son, Carson, uh, we, we learned this in a very scary way, but he has a very severe allergy to nuts, especially peanuts. And when he has a reaction, uh, some of you may, may have a similar allergy, there's, a, there's this magic wand, apparently, that's called an EpiPen, okay? And so it was, so in the event that my that my son is experiencing an allergic reaction to a nut. Okay? I could say, oh, I believe that the EpiPen will save my son's life. Okay, I could say that. But if I don't put it into use, what good is it? If that EpiPen just sits there, while my son is in anaphylactic shock, what good is it that I believe that that will actually do anything? It's not really good at all, right? That with an EpiPen, there is an active ingredient. There's several active ingredients. Epinephrine is the one that's most important, but it actually mixes with salt, you see that there are things in the EpiPen, there's things that are described on it that actually help me know what happens, that it works, that not only do I believe this will work, I should use it when I need it. I should use it the way it's supposed to be used. What follows as we read the Apostles' Creed is like reading the ingredients list. I believe, I trust, I have faith in, and here's why. Here are the basic, the foundations of why I think this will save my life. Why I'm willing to put my, all my weight, all my trust down on this. Okay? I believe. If it's, it's easy to move past that, that really quick. I believe in God the Father. Okay, I want to stop there for a second. 
No doubt the in-speaking team affirmed this, and I know I've experienced it. In fact, I'm very convinced that my whole peekaboo, prairie dog image of God is very much related to my earthly father. Okay, now my earthly father and I have, we have a good relationship. Uh, But my folks divorced when I was very, very young. And so I really had no memories of actually living with my dad. Rather, my dad is somebody that would, that, that, you know, would come into my life for a weekend or we'd go on a vacation together. You know, are you starting to see the parallels between how I sometimes view God, how I'm tempted to view God in my relationship with my earthly father? And I only share that to say that I recognize that in this room tonight, as we talk about God as father, we have baggage around that. Uh, we, some of us, and I celebrate those, those of you in the room that have had great earthly fathers, that, that this is an easy word to embrace. And I groan with those of you who perhaps have had a strained relationship with your dad, uh, that it can distort your view of God and the way that you hear this word, father. And what do I want to invite you to tonight in hearing this word father is to say that, that God is not one that is merely pulled back like that Zeus figure that we were looking earlier. God is not merely the one that is disconnected in this way that maybe we saw uh, Mufasa to Simba, but God as father is, aff- is affirming that God is close. God is involved and there's affection there. God's like a good father. God, the Father Almighty. And this is where I want to spend most of the rest of our time tonight. Creator of heaven and earth. Some translations of the creed will say maker of heaven and earth. I prefer the word creator. Creator of heaven and earth. Now, I again want to contrast creator in relation to judge, to one who has a bolt in their hand, to one who doesn't care. Creator of heaven and earth. Uh, The beginning of the Bible tells us a little bit of this story, right? It is a story of of there being a formless void. There's nothing. Perhaps the best word that we could use there is chaos. And then God speaks into that chaos. That the beginning of creation is is a word being spoken. And that word is God. That word being spoken is from God. That word being spoken is with God, okay? In the beginning was this word that speaks into a formless void and boom, Yahtzee, stuff starts to happen. We get the the light and the water, the land and the sky, the plants and the animals, the stars and the moon. All this is created as God speaks into the formless void and it brings form and it creates life. And at the every time God does this thing where he speaks and boom, there it is, he calls it good. God is not only a creator, God is a good creator, 
and God calls it good. Isn't this great? God makes the heavens and the earth. He, he creates all this stuff. And this is our first impression of God. And isn't it a great first impression? What a, what a masterpiece he's, he, he's done. You know, uh, in contrast to some of those images that we have, here's this God is a good creator. That's the first impression. I love that this is the first line of the creed. It's our first impression. How does the line go, right? You never have a second chance to make a first impression. For better or for worse, right? Um, as a university student, um, my, my the freshman in the beginning of my sophomore year was a little bit rough. I involved myself in what I like to call garden variety fraternal hedonism. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily proud of that. It's just a, it's just a fact. And as a naive 19-year-old um, one night, I, I certainly had more than my fair share of fermented and distilled beverages. <laughs> and ended up in, in the, the living room of this sorority. And, and I, well, I came ill. And not in a good way. Um, and... And in so doing, um, as I became ill, I didn't quite make it to a place that I would have preferred to become ill. And so honestly, for the next three years, might have even been longer than that, who knows, I could go over there today and I would still be known as the projectile vomiter, okay? You never have a second chance to make a first impression. You can have things that kind of stick with you. And what I want to highlight in this is that contrary to some of the ways that we can think about who God is, this, this first impression that we have of God in the creed and really at the beginning of the Bible is this magnificent first impression. Now, you could use my story to talk about sin, but we'd be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I want to, to pick up uh, the the last part of this great creation epic in Genesis chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 26. It says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Okay, catch this. This is really important, Okay. Verse 27, so God created humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you seed... Every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Okay, if you checked out on that whole thing, come back. Because this is really important. God saw all that he had made and it was 
very good. First time we get the superlative right there. Every other, every other day he said, okay, this is good. This is good. He creates human beings and he says, oh, this is very good. This is very good. I want to riff on the reality of a God, of a Father Almighty who creates good things and who creates good things in God's own image. And that's us. And that's us. Do you think of God as a good creator? Do you think of God as a good creator of you? I know that in your speech comm classes, they tell you to give three points at the end of a speech class. I'm going to give you two tonight. One, if God is a good creator, and if humans, I want to make this personal now, if you are created in God's image, I want to pose this question. Is it possible that God is incomplete without you? To the, to the degree, and I believe this, by the way, I believe this. I believe, as, as one of my friends likes to say, that you are a unique and unrepeatable miracle of God. That if that's true, if God has created us good and created us and created you in God's image, you are a unique expression of God. And if there is going to be a full expression of God, it includes you. Try and get your mind around that for a second. You complete God. God would be incomplete without you because you are a unique and, and irreplaceable, irrepeatable miracle of God. Embrace that for a second. You know, the thing that keeps us from really living into this and really understanding it, I think in this culture, has to do with competition, has to do with envy. I feel like I get to hear from a group of students that I find to be immensely gifted and talented and intelligent and energetic and all the things that I experience you all to be. And so often the thing that I hear holding people back is a sense of, but I'm not as good as, <clears throat> if only I were like this, if only I had that you know, cheesy as this may be, I would love for you to look in the mirror sometime this week and somehow enjoy yourself. Enjoy the way that your, you know, your eyelashes curl up. Enjoy the way that, you know, you have a couple of gray hairs that come out of, out of this side of your, your beard. Uh, do what you need to do to embrace the reality that you are a unique and unrepeatable miracle of the God that creates good things. It'll do your soul well. I believe that. 
because I believe in a God that creates good things. Second is this, if God is a creator and we are created in God's image, you get to participate in this work of co-creation or in this work of creation, of co-creation and indeed recreation. We participate in the work of this immensely creative God. We participate in it. Now, how do we do that? Um, I, wanna, I wanna assert that the first way that we do that is exactly how God did it. And that's to speak. Where are the places in your life right now where there is a sense of chaos? where there might be a sense of nothingness, where there's something that bothers you and where nobody seems to be saying anything about it or nobody seems to be doing anything about it. The first thing that you might do as one created in God's image is speak into the chaos, speak up. Maybe it's just organizing something. You know how it is. Sometimes you, you go out with a group of friends and you're at a restaurant and it's time to settle up the bill and the bill comes and nobody even gestures towards it, okay? How are we gonna do this? It takes somebody saying, hey, how are we gonna do this? Uh, just to, to, to get the ball rolling the right way, right? Yeah, in, a, in a more, uh, I guess, pertinent example, where are the places in your life where there is a void of leadership? Where there is a situation where it calls for somebody to step in and maybe not even do the right thing, but do something. Your job in that moment isn't to save the situation. It certainly isn't to save the world. But I would invite you to look for those places where you might participate in whatever the redemptive work is there. You see, that's why God, as we are created in God's image, gives us gifts and talents, interests and ideas, energy and creativity. We're created in God's image. And so many of the questions that you all ask are directly related to, what am I supposed to do with my life? How do I put this in play? How do I find this? Um, I want to share about how I've experienced this journey. Uh, that for me, over the past 16 and a half years, it has meant that I worked at a church in Seattle's U District where my role has simply been to come alongside college students and to uh, share the gospel, sometimes even using words up in front of hundreds of them at once. Uh, but to, uh, to do that as I am, as me as a unique and unrepeatable miracle of God. And it has been just an incredible journey of me growing up into who, who I believe that unique and unrepeatable miracle really is. And 
Part of what I want to share with you tonight is that that journey is coming to an end for me. Uh, after 16 and a half years, I'll be transitioning out of this role um, around spring break. And this is a this is an opportunity that that it it makes me so sad to be leaving something that I love and have loved for so long. And yet, there has been something in me that feels as I get on to, so to speak, my 17th birthday as a college pastor that feels kind of like that angsty teen living in, in the house that's ready to go and see what else is out there. I've been raised well, and now let's go and see what else is out there. I'm eager to see what God has for me, how I might live into more of the creativity that God has and is working in me. And so I do want to take a moment tonight to, uh, to let you know that and to say thank you. Uh, you and the hundred, really thousands of students that have gone before you have shaped, have been God's handiwork in shaping me into the man that I am. And I'm sad to leave. And I'm, on the one hand, I'm scared. I, I'm going to be uh, sticking around and working uh, at another position here at the church for several months uh, but then we'll jump into something else that I don't know what it is until next fall. And as somebody who has sat with students for 16 and a half years and worked with this question of what's God doing in my life and how, what should I do? And essentially, I give some version of trust Jesus and take a risk. And now I have to do that. And so I'm going to. I am now... What makes me excited about this is that I can't wait to see how the creativity of God is going to come out in an incredible staff that is here at University Ministries. Earlier this evening, I was in a circle with a bunch of our student leaders as we prayed for the inn, and I was overcome with gratitude for the reality that that group of students is going to get to lead and indeed needs to lead in a way that perhaps they never have. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in that. There are going to be some great stories. And I can't wait to uh, be alongside and hear the stories of, of the guy that is going to step into my position right away. Some of you guys are, already know Mike McAvoy. Uh, I'm going to bring him up here a little bit later in our service. But what I know is that God's creativity didn't just happen in Genesis 1. It's happening right now. And it happens in each of us. It's happening in me. It's happening in you. And we get to participate in this. And I hope you will. I want to leave you with this. That so often as we come to this creed and as we seek to know who God is, the question that we're trying to address is, what's God like? What's God like? 
Let me see if I can give you one, one little parable about what I think God is like that challenges those images that we had earlier. What if God is like a little, a little boy? Mm, a not-so-little boy. A boy that is big enough to use tools. And this little boy uh, spends time and effort creating this toy sailboat. Spends time in a shop, you know, getting the, the pieces of wood just right painting it the color he wants, getting everything just perfect. And as he finishes this toy boat and, the, and, and calls it good, takes it out to the water, and what's amazing is that it, it works. It does exactly what he was hoping it does. He looks at it, and, and he's, he's proud. He's proud of this. He built this thing to be able to float and to be able to, uh, to do all these different, to, to be able to navigate. And he sees it happening. But as that happens, there's a breeze that comes up that takes that boat a bit off course. The child, concerned, uh, keeps, keeps his eyes on it the whole time as it continues to drift away and, and drift away. And, and it's, it's out of his reach as the storm uh, seems, seems to wash it, wash it away and he needs to uh, take cover. But he never stops thinking about this boat. So the next day, uh, he goes out to find this thing that he made, this thing that he created. And he's walking by a pawn shop and he finds a boat. And he goes in and he sees the price tag on the boat. And it's actually everything that he has. It's, it's every last penny that he has. But joyfully, he goes up to the merchant and says, I got to have that boat. And he pays everything he has. And as he does so, he takes, he takes that boat and as he walks out of the store, he looks at the boat and he says, you're mine first because I made you and I made you good. And second, because I bought you. That's who God is. Made good. You're God's first because God made you and he made you good. Second, because he bought you with everything he has. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a good father, that you have created us good, and that you never take your eye off us. Thank you that you've called us to participate with you in your work of creation and co-creation and redemption and recreation. God, guide us as we seek to know you, as we seek to follow you, as we seek to love you. God, you are good to us, and we're grateful. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before we continue to worship in song, 
uh, I want to bring up Mike McAvoy. And some of you already know Mike. He's been around this year. He works with Young Life College doing some stuff here on campus. He also works uh, uh, with Young Life in a regional, uh, if not a bit of a national capacity. And as I transition here at the end of the quarter, uh, I am thrilled that Mike is the one that is going to be stepping into the leadership role that I have held. And, and I'm, I'm, I want you guys to know that, that honestly, if, it, if Mike wasn't willing to step into this role at this time, I don't think this transition would be happening. But I'm so excited about Mike, about who he is. He's a great friend. We worked together on this staff uh, several years ago. And I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled uh, for you guys to get to know him a little bit more, to get to experience his gifts, his energy, his enthusiasm, indeed his leadership. You're going to get a chance to get to know him more, particularly over spring quarter. But I wanted you to at least start putting a name and a face together. And Quit pointing at me so okay, much. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> um, not what people want. But... So tell us what we do want, yeah. which what I want is for you to share with your students, what's one thing that you would want them to know about you as you step into this, this incredible job? It's yeah, the best well, I, job in student ministry in the country. You know that, right? I, I do know that. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm humbled that, that you would allow me to share this space with you tonight um, in a big night. And, and, you know, for those of you that don't know, I mean, a lot of us have sat here for a year or two years or three years, but like Ryan said, for 17 years, he's been doing this faithfully to groups and groups of students, you know, and, and 10 years in this role as the director of this ministry. And it's a long time faithfully to serve, to get up here and announce tonight that your time here is, is, is coming to an end, stepping away, knowing that God is doing something powerful in your life. And, and I'm humbled just to be able to share this space with you uh, in this moment. I'd rather not make a huge deal of myself in this moment over spring quarter. I, I look forward to getting to know you guys a lot better. I, you're going to get to know me a little better. Um, I guess the one thing I would say, I, my heart is with college students. It has been. I've had the chance to work with college students the last 11 years. And I think I, I look forward to being able to share from this space a little bit about what God is doing in my life, but I really look forward to getting to know a lot of you. And, and so um, at the heart of the gospel really is relationship. And, and I think the heart of this ministry is based on relationship. And, and that's uh, where my heart is too, in relationship. And so if I have seen you around a little bit and you think I should know you, introduce yourself anyway. I probably forgot um, your name. Give me a little bit of grace. <laughs> introduce yourself um, to me and, and help me out uh, around here. And, and I get the chance to work with a great team that's already in place. Uh, but mostly, you know, as far as tonight, I'd love to keep the focus um, just on you and, and hope that uh, we'll celebrate Ryan at the end of this quarter and also at the end of this year. He'll be around, like he said, in a little bit of a different role. But, you know, my encouragement to all of us would just be um, to celebrate. You know, it is, a, it is a moment that is a little bit of emotion, you know, is emotional, you know, for you and others. But um, we have a lot to celebrate in Ryan. So I hope you guys join me in, in celebrating him. We're going to give him a round of applause. Ryan Church, everybody. Thank you.